Welcome to the Andy Staples Show, again presented by Sling. You may have noticed over the weekend that logo was not appearing on the show, and there was a there was a problem. Sling had gotten into a, a carriage dispute with Disney. Disney wanted X amount of dollars. Sling wanted to pay X amount of dollars, and they couldn't come to an agreement when Disney's contract expired on September 30th, and Sling, which had been advertising on this show that you could get all of the college football that you want, did not have any of the ESPN channels on a college football Saturday. And I know how frustrating that is for you. It was very frustrating for me because Sling did not communicate to us that this was going on and did not let us know that this was even a possibility. But they're going to try to earn your trust back. They've got the Disney channels back on. So ESPN, Disney, all of those channels back on, on Sling. And they're going to continue as the presenting sponsor of this show. So you have the option to give them another shot if you'd like. I understand if you're frustrated. But that is the situation. And we are going to get on with a great show on location in College Station, Texas. Ari is going to learn to yell. And you're going to love it. On to the show. Greetings from Aggieland. I'm here with Ari Wasserman. It's been quite a day already, Ari. We uh, first stop in your tour to SEC. We're going to start here. We're going to wind our way through SEC country. We're going to wind up in Tuscaloosa at the Texas A&M Alabama game, which we circled on the calendar in May mm-hmm. for very different reasons than I think we're, we're interested in it right now, which I think is fascinating, too. There were moments in time where we're like, uh-oh, did we pick the wrong game? And then it turned out we picked the perfect game. Oh, yeah. For yeah. different reasons. There's drama yeah. all over the place in this game. And, and you've got, you know, the Nick Saban-Jimbo Fisher thing isn't gone. It hasn't gone away. But you know, we went to Jimbo Fisher's press, press conference on Monday. He got one question about it. He said it's done. And everybody moved on from it, not because, hey, we think he really believes he and Nick Saban are cool now, but... There are much more pressing issues at Texas A&M as they come into this game three and two in real danger of coming out of this game three and three. And I got to ask you this. If you owe a guy $87 million or whatever it is, $85 million, there's nothing you can do. He's not getting fired. It's not happening. And you aren't happy with the way things are going in year five. As a fan, as a supporter of the team, as a you know administrator, what do you do? How do you handle that? Yeah, I don't, you know, I, don't, I think that the only thing that you can do is accept it. I mean, I don't know. I, I don't want to to compare this to what I'm going to compare it to, but I guess I will. Oh, okay, but if of you're you if you're in prison and you have a 20 year <laughs> sentence, yeah. You know, in year one, if you don't, you don't like the food, <laughs> too bad. It's like, it's like you, you eat the, the creamed corn and, you know, you kind of move on. I'm saying that, you know, rooting for Texas. Saying, this is a, this house is a prison. No, it's uh, but. Yeah, I don't, you know, I don't just think like, they were thinking that when they, they signed that contract. We, we were talking about this earlier today, Andy, and I think it's kind of the crux of the issue of, you know, what is Jimbo Fisher going to do to fix this offense and to yeah. fix the situation he's in? And I don't know that. We've ever seen, and you you know this stuff better than I do, but I've seen a coach that is in this type of quote unquote hot water without really facing any danger of of paying any repercussions for there, that. there's no danger whatsoever. Yeah. Like you just watched Paul Chris get fired when yeah. two weeks ago you'd have never thought that would happen. 
There is no chance. Jimbo Fisher could have walked into the press conference with a shirt off and a cigar in his mouth, and it would have been fine. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> like <laughs> that, that, and it's fascinating because they did put themselves in this situation. Now, the current administration, Ross Bjork didn't hire Jimbo Fisher. Mm-hmm. It was Scott Woodward, who's now at LSU, who, who signed him to that contract. But they did extend him last year. They did. And that tacked more on. Now, even if he was still working off the initial contract, he's not fireable. And, and, and again, I don't think anybody at Texas A&M wants to think about that. They just want him to get them in contention to win SEC titles, to get them in contention to win national titles, but they're not. And it's interesting because a lot of the questions to, to the A&M players today and to Jimbo Fisher were about what happened last year with Alabama, where they entered the game in a very similar situation. They had just lost. Yeah. To, in that case, they just lost to Arkansas and Mississippi State. In this case, they've lost to Appalachian State and Mississippi State. The offense was sputtering. There were quarterback injuries that they were dealing with. All this sounds very familiar. But what happened in that game, Zach Calzada, then Texas A&M's quarterback, played the game of his life. An offensive line that had been kind of struggling to gel came together and basically took Will Anderson out of the game. That was the worst game he played last year. Mm -hmm. And you got kind of an anomalous performance. And Texas A&M won. It was a huge moment. They rushed the field. But then you had the Ole Miss and LSU games where it, it put them back in eight and four land. And I think the I think the recruiting class and the excitement over having the number one recruiting class kind of papered over that a little bit. But now as the fans look and some of these young players are being asked to do quite a bit, like Evan Stewart is is the wide receiver from that class. He's got to be their their number one wide receiver with Anaya Smith out. I'm not sure he's ready for that role. Yeah. You know, it's just like this weird this weird situation that they're in because Andy, I wrote two weeks ago in Dallas when they beat Arkansas that that was a very important win for that program yeah. because it, it prevented the wheels from falling off. And if KJ Jefferson does not extend that ball out, the lug nuts are loose there. Yeah. We're talking about a a two and three team going to Tuscaloosa right now. Yes, but on the same token, when you're in a position that you're in with this contract, and the fact of the matter is the coach will be here for five more years at the very least before anything real starts to even be discussed. Right. Is the best thing for the program for the wheels to fall off in order for them to make damn sure that whatever needs to be fixed is addressed? Because you you look into this game and you say, well, Texas A&M is is coming into this game the same exact scenario that they were in last year. They beat Alabama a year ago. And they're right back to where they were. Right. So, like, is do we consider them beating in a alternate universe where they go to Tuscaloosa and beat Nick Saban mm-hmm. again for the second consecutive year? Is that the correction that this program needs, or do they need to go there and lose fifty-five to nothing in order for the message to keep getting pounded and pounded? It's interesting. And pounded? This, this is my Oklahoma column from Monday. Like, you got to feel the pain before you can actually make yeah. the corrections. And because that fools you into thinking it's okay. But there's a difference between Texas A&M and Oklahoma. Oklahoma, the, the pain that Oklahoma has felt pretty much localized to the 1990s. You come off the John Blake era, the pain of that, you hire Bob Stoops, and that's that's the correction. And then you're just good from then on out. You yeah. win a national title. You win a bunch of Big 12 titles. A&M has not done that. A&M, it's been nothing but pain. Well, Jimbo's supposed to be the correction. He's supposed to be, but but he's not. So far, he's got the contract for the correction, right? But in year five, he's not the correction. So, right. Does this force him into making it? And and that's the thing. 
I'm curious, and, and we'll we'll be here for a little bit longer. We'll be here a little bit tomorrow as well. I'm curious to talk to some folks around here to see how they feel about that because I feel like at this point, this was supposed to be better. And how frustrated are they that they they keep winding up back yeah. in the same place? And I, and I have internal conflicts with this too because we came into this year thinking this was a 9-3 and three team if things go well, right? We Right. It was not... We never said this will be the year that Texas A&M crosses over, that they they, yeah. they get put over, to, to put it in wrestling terms. like they, They're not moving into like an SEC champion type caliber team or a national title caliber team in 2022. Nobody was saying that. Not even people here. But the idea yeah. was a step forward and then next year. And a step forward happens. would be a nine and three season maybe. Yeah. competitive losses to the the giants of the sec and offensive flashes that make you be like, well, this is the direction we're going. Mm-hmm. And really you don't want to be looking or at defensive flashes. I, mean, I, I take think, either one at this but point. I do think that the worst possible comment that you could possibly hear if you're an A&M fan, or if you would have told an A&M fan in August, we're going to be saying this on October 2nd or 1st, or whatever today is, this is the exact same spot they were in last year. That's like sirens going off. Right. Yeah. Because they're not dumb. They know that win against Alabama, if you play that game with all those same players a hundred times, AM doesn't win most of those. Ten? Maybe. I mean this AM still had good players. Yeah. So but can't say zero, but or you can't say one or two because one out of one. Yeah. But I think ten percent of the time, maybe. Yeah. And that I think that's the frustration. And and there's that. There's there's more to this game as well because you have quarterback injuries on both sides. Right. You have Bryce Young goes down. It's a shoulder injury. Nick Saban says it's not that serious. They're going day to day. Jalen Milrow came in and replaced him, and I thought Jalen Milrow looked great. On the other side, Max Johnson hits the thumb on his throwing hand. He's going to be day to day, according to Jimbo Fisher. We don't know exactly. Uh, we do have dueling sound bites from the coaches about yes, this. Yes, they are they are spectacular. Uh, my personal favorite is the Nick Saban one. He's it's asked. A, it's a Saban rant where he punches his own chest. So yeah, and he <laughs> this one's justified because I'll, you'll hear the question, but I'll set it up for you anyway. He's asked if they want to put a package in for Jalen Milrow, as if we didn't all just watch Jalen Milrow run their offense. Very successfully, by the way, yes. for two and a half quarters against Arkansas. Yeah, just just run it. I've got nothing to add. <laughs> All right, here we go. You've talked about Jalen Merrill's unique skill set. Just given that, is there a thought of maybe putting a package together for him, regardless of Bryce's injury status? We already have one, so. Do you want us to put a new one together now, just because he might play, or use the old one? I mean, we can do either one. I mean, I, I'll I'll go talk to the offensive coaches and see. Um, again, you know, I don't talk to Jimbo on a regular basis, but I'll call him and tell him right after the conference if you want me to. I mean, you you guys think I'm going to tell you what we're going to do with our offense and our team? You you, you might as well make it up. I I saw today where. There's headlines in the paper that, you know, I'm going to keep it a secret what we're going to do with Bryce. I'm, that's, it sounded like me making <laughs> right, that statement. But it, I've never said that. But it, it was there in black and white. Like, 
So you can make up whatever you want to make up. You know, look at somebody else's running quarterback and say they should put these plays in. I think that'd be a better way to do it. The chest bump is even better because he's wearing a master's polo while doing it. It's, <laughs> it's the type of polo you would wear to go with your Edgewood Tahoe hat that you're wearing. Well, right yeah, now. I've never been to Augusta, but I'm sure I would buy you all would buy the merch. nine hats. Yeah, um, maybe one day I'll go. Uh, but it's always the 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 rant is always followed with the I don't know the arms up, you know, uh, you know, yeah. But yeah, what what packages are you mean the offense? And if there was a package to install, right? When are they going to do it? What days of the week do you do that, Andy? Like you, you've been in a Division One program. Well, before. Wait, 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 why would you even need it? Well, you do it Tuesday, and Wednesday, but why would you even need it? I mean, yeah, yeah, just install the whole new thing. How about you It'll just run fine. the plays you ran Saturday that yeah. works? Against- and also, the other team's probably not going to score, so that's probably going to work in your favor as well. So. Okay, let's talk about that other team and its its scoring capabilities because yes, that is a that's the issue there. Max Johnson, we'll see if, if he plays. Jimbo Fisher said day to day. It sounds like Haynes King probably getting the getting the call in this one. But of course, Jimbo was asked about that, and uh, he uh, he's apparently been watching Nick's press conferences. Mm-hmm. You said Max day to day. Do you anticipate Haynes starting Saturday night? I don't know. We'll go day to day. Go to your left there, Travis. You wrap us up. What do you want me to do? call Nick and tell him? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, guys, come on, man. You think they'd call each other? After everything that happened? Yeah, it would be funny if they did actually did just go. Well, hey, I mean, honestly. You know guess what I'm going to do? <laughs> well, I mean, anything to get them on the phone probably would be a good thing, right? Could, do you well, think that, Nick at this point, because he, he does have a, a clear advantage going into Saturday, if he really wanted to rub it in, do you think he'd call Jimbo and go, here's what we're going to do? Have the two men spoken on the phone since the summer? Ooh. They have the same agent. Could there have been a three-way call involving Jimmy Sexton? Could that have happened? Does that count? An oh, what about a one-on-one call where one coach attempted I'm betting to call no. the other? Now, they've, been in the same, no they've been in the same room. They have. They had to be a in week later together. After yeah. the incident. Yes. So they've dealt with all that. I just, it's so crazy for me to think because now, listen, I'm not going to be so kind of Pollyannish about it. We uh we put a lot of coal in the furnace at the old content factory. Yes, we did. We did. <laughs> so. And it's a shame that the, the flame burned out. But, you know, this is, I think, to me, that's always fun. Off-season fodder, talking about things. And it kind of helps us use it as a jumping off point to talk about the bigger. Because I thought that as much as we talked about that, yeah. we also spoke a lot about the issues of NIL and, and the way that it's, yeah. it's perceived and stuff. And I thought it was valuable. I think this is a far more pressing and interesting issue, though, because whenever you have actual team dysfunction, mm-hmm. whether it be internally or on what you see on the field, I think that's always the most pressing, interesting thing that you can get in these games. Yeah. And the fact of the matter is, is that they are going on the road to Tuscaloosa in a, in a moment where, A, you're not exactly sure who the quarterback's going to be, yeah. and, and B, we're not sure it matters. And like right. those are the two things that that really kind of well, you know, and, stick and it in your craw a little bit Especially there. since Anaya Smith went down, but even before Anaya Smith went down, Everything looks so hard for Texas A&M's offense. It feels like everything must go perfect on every play for a play to be successful. And it's not like that everywhere. Like, you know, you you can say, well, you have young guys and you have this and you have that. We watched Lane Kiffin put in an offense as a first year coach during a pandemic when he had no spring practice and limited preseason camp that his players could run almost instantly. And effectively. Yeah. Yes. So it's not like it's impossible. TCU, Sonny Dykes and, and Garrett Riley come in 
this season. Are averaging like 540. Their offense like, yeah. looks amazing. Yes. <laughs> and it's the same guys that were there last yes. year. So, And the thing about it too, Andy, is what is this, year five of yeah. Jimbo? If we're in year five of Jimbo and your excuse is that they're too young, that's on you too. Exactly. Like that's not like, a, oh, we get out of jail we, free we card. This at, is like, they shouldn't be that we young. We were looking at their went. receiver yeah. recruiting because Evan Stewart, true freshman, being relied upon to be wide receiver one right now. He's got a lot of talent, but it's not working out well. I, I tweeted the other day that has has he been thrown a ball in stride since high school? Like it's always behind him. It's always he's always got to adjust to make the mostly, catch. Yeah, yeah. But he has dropped some. Like drop one in the end zone. He shouldn't drop against Mississippi State. Right. Let's let's be tough pass. Should have caught it. Hit him in the hands. Yeah. So he he was you know he was having to go back for it, but it hit him in the hands. That said, should he be in that position? No. Demond Demas maybe should be in that position. He got he got kicked off the team. He did that to himself. Some of these guys that they have recruited should be in that position. But you know, you look at their some of their top receiver recruits over the last few years. Ones at Minnesota, ones at UCLA. Um, they're just not they're not yeah. developing these guys into producing you know high production players at Texas A&M. And when per, when put in a position in the transfer portal era. To fill a need, they did not do that either. Right, because you so. look at you look at Alabama. This is this is a prime example. Alabama had the greatest receiving recruiting class of all time in 2017. Well, all of them were hits, by the way. It's the greatest recruiting class of all time. Yes. Period. But it was by far the best. Well, second best. We're in Aggie land. Show some respect. Uh, no. This what is, is it? It's, it's second until these best. Guys, and, until these guys get to the draft. Second they best. Don't, they don't. It's get the greatest recruiting class. There are two different ways to judge a recruiting class. One is. Greatest recruiting class of all time when we figure out four years in the in the advance or in that the future. That would be a good way to see if they actually became yes. good college football players. But the best recruiting class going into it was last year. And I don't want to get out of this town without making sure that, you know, on a day where I learned all the Aggie traditions. Oh, yeah. And learned by the way, you're going to hear that later in the show. Yes. And yeah. Ari, Ari is uh, he's married to an Aggie and now he can he can speak a little bit of Aggie. Uh, we had a, a yell leader named Kit who this dude is awesome. And by the way, his bicep workout must be yeah, just Kip. beastly. Yeah. Kip, if you, if you are listening to this, yeah, I Kip hope that is, you will. Is, I mean, jacked. He's Dude's a jacked. dude. And Ari knows what he's doing now. You're going to hear. And if you watch the video, see all of that later, but, and I found out that my wife has a class ring and it's in our house. She has an Aggie She ring. has a ring. Yeah. I was wrong in saying that you she didn't in, get one. She can interdigitate now. Yes. Interdigitate. You're going to learn what that word means, too. Yes. You probably uh, think it's something dirty, but it's not. It's not. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's not dirty. We'll be right back after this message from one of our lovely sponsors. Do you like Formula One, but struggle to keep up with everything that's going on? Then we have the podcast for you. Introducing the Race F1 Briefing the podcast that brings you the latest F1 headlines in 15 minutes or less. With new episodes dropping on all four days of every race event, you'll never miss out on hearing what went down in practice, qualifying or the Grand Prix itself. And we'll also bring you all the behind the scenes news and gossip from the F1 paddock as well. If that sounds like the F1 podcast for you, search The Race F1 Briefing in your podcast app of choice. We'd love to have you join us. Before we go too deep down that rabbit hole, the class that included Tua Tungvaluwa and Mac Jones also included Devontae Smith and Jerry Judy. 
and Henry Ruggs III. Uh, Jalen Waddle will come a year later. But that is a pretty spectacular receiving core. But those guys were gone. And once they left, then Alabama had to adjust to it. Yeah, you know, and then, and when they did, what did they do? Well, they didn't exactly had so they had John Mechie, who's yep. great, but they didn't have a true game breaker. So what did they do? They went and got Jameson Williams out of the transfer portal. And he turned out to be pretty good. He turned out to be a first rounder. Yes. Now I don't know that Jermaine Burton is going to be a first rounder this year, but they shored up a need yeah. with Jermaine Burton out of the out of the transfer portal. Uh they got a, a transfer from Louisville as well. They they are trying when they don't feel like they have what they need. And is this Alabama offense as explosive as it has been in the past? No, it's no. not. But it th- those receiving numbers, those passing numbers, you take at Texas A and M. You look heartbeat. at it and you go, "This is this is what we're driving for." Yeah. So like that's the thing too. If like, is this a personnel issue? Uh, well, I think, and I think the Jalen Milrow thing is a good example though. Now Jalen Milrow was a player that A and M recruited. Uh, I. I think they took Eli Stowers over him in mm-hmm. that spot. And now, and, and Milrow also had committed to Texas and then flipped to Bama. So there may have been a flip to Bama. It was a gymnastics. Yeah, meet, let's may, be honest. Yeah. It may have been a flip to Bama <laughs> in the offing anyway, but you look at what he did. And this, this gets back to that question that Nick Saban got asked and blew up at. And, and listen, a lot of times Nick Saban has a, a rant queued up and it doesn't matter what you ask. In this particular case, the rant was aimed at the question. Yeah. And it's a good reason because... That was it, a natural rant. You, you uh, haven't been watching Alabama if you ask that question because Alabama's offense has all of this stuff in it. It's a, it's a cheesecake factory menu, essentially. But depending on who's playing quarterback, you're only using certain pages of the cheesecake factory menu. And then that's a really good that's a really good way to put something. I'm gonna I'm gonna put that in my go, repertoire. Go what, for what it. What page is, is Jalen Milrow? Uh, Jalen Milrow uh, is he the uh, is he the one with the pastas and the that's like a the, really the good chicken page. pasta. That's a good page. It's really good. The burger well, guess, page is pretty good no, too. No, Bryce Young is the one that has uh, uh, chicken costaletta on it. Whatever page that is. <laughs> no, Bryce. I think Bryce Young. Bryce Young gives you all of the pages and dessert. Yeah, I, I think that's that's the beauty of Bryce Young, but. Even when they don't have Bryce Young, even when in an emergency they have to bring in a guy who's not really played very much, they get a chance to run their offense. It is, a, you know, they're running plays that their receivers know, that their line knows, that their backs know. And it's effective. Yes. Yeah. Um, watching Texas A&M play offense is like having oral surgery sometimes. It is. I mean, it really is, and I'm not necessarily sure. I'm, I'm, I'm completely aware of like this isn't just like a do this one thing and like you know, I'm Mr. King of play the quarterback. Yeah, this isn't just play the quarterback and it's over. I oh mean, yeah, this is, this is a multi-faceted. We, we get it to multi- Connor Wegman, but yeah, it's not it's yeah. not a play the kid situation. Like yeah, it's every quarterback who comes in, it feels the same way. It feels like everybody is pressing hard. We've got to do this this way, this this way. If this one little thing breaks down, if this guy messes up, we're done. We're done for. The play doesn't work. And Jimbo, Which is, by the way, Andy, football. That is football, but there are offenses that are built to deal with certain personnel weaknesses you might have. Sure, sure, absolutely. And but it's funny, though. It's just like if everybody does their job perfectly on a play, every place is a touchdown. Correct. Right? Correct. So, like, I mean, like, that's... It's like if, if this would have happened or this block would have been made or this error didn't happen, we would have scored. It's like, yeah, I know. But you can't say that a thousand times. 
Right. You know, you without, without analyzing time. what's going on that causes these mistakes. Is it, is it, you know, creating an environment where everything is overly complicated? Is it creating an environment where your players are tense? Well, um, these are all inter- coaching questions. It was interesting because Jimbo Fisher came in on, on Monday talking about how the, the players just needed to relax. And, you know, he said it multiple times in his opening statement. So I asked a question mm-hmm. about relaxing and, and what, what do they need to do to relax? Why has it been so hard? offensively for them to relax do, do they look comfortable in practice and it doesn't show mm-hmm. in games or i don't think they're not relaxed just gotta relax you guys sometimes you want to try when you're young and you got young guys in critical positions that sometimes they they just want to try too hard i don't know i mean we talk to them every day put them give them confidence they do it in practice every day and just got to relax and play so no it's not about relaxing he just said it like five times that it was about relaxing and then the he gets reason back why to you asked being, that question was yeah. because you used exactly what he said I used the word he kept <laughs> yeah. using so that mm-hmm. it was very strange and I, I I think it's a case where he probably doesn't feel like he has a ton of answers either so or it's not answers he wants to tell us or it, the answers are not going to sound great to anybody. Multifaceted, complicated. I don't know that you have enough time in a single press conference to address all those things. The question that you have if you're an AM fan is because constantly I'm I'm confident in what we're doing. Constantly, you know, it's get the players to execute better. Constantly we have uh, all the players on our team that we need and I've seen it in practice and all mm-hmm. the all the coaching cliches. The question you have to know is it in to borrow something from Nick Saban in his heart that he knows that there needs to be some soul searching in terms of the, t- uh, the changes that need to happen in the program where those need to be fixed. And does he have the temperament to systematically change those things? Yeah. And it's like, there might not be, he might actually believe that, Hey, you know, we're a year away and that's it. You know what I mean? So if we're, if they're a year away, then, you know, you can get through the season and then try again next year. Or do you go into next season or the off season prepared to address the issue and eradicate whatever's going on here? Yeah. I, and this is the part where I think if you're an A&M fan, you just feel like you are banging your head against the wall because they had this conversation last year and they had this conversation in 2019 and they had this. Con- the only time they didn't have the conversation is 2020 yeah, when they had a fourth year starter in Kellen Mond. I, and they still lost to yeah, Alabama by a lot. That and year. I came into this year thinking this would be a fun team to watch. Oh, I thought they would be a fun team to watch. Anti-fun. A team, a team that, lost but a team that made you think like oh man you see that play evan stewart made mm-hmm. oh crap you know maybe second half of the year connor wegman you see that dart like you have the pieces in, in play there to be like you know what i want to watch this team because i want to see glimpses or, or of the maybe future. it's anthony lucas or, coming in and yes. developing on the d-line and, and you know getting pressure on the quarterback anything that would make Nolan you playing. yeah like this whole year i thought would be like a semi preview of what that 2022 class could do yeah. um and i'm not sure we've seen any of that at no. all. You know, we've seen a, a few glimpses of Evan Stewart. He's their number they, one receiver nothing, right now. Nothing but. they've done has looked fun. Even the wins have not looked fun. They've looked, I mean, the Miami game was a slog. I mean, I was at the Arkansas game. It was awful. Right. Except for one really fun defensive play yeah. that saved their butts. Yeah. yeah. You know, and this isn't just like I see it in practice once the light turns on. This is this is it. I mean, right. this is what we're talking about yeah. here. And, and he's not going anywhere. I don't think he's going to give up calling plays. I, I don't. I just don't think that is in the offing. So if that's what you're thinking is going to happen, just put that out of your mind. And your theory of what should happen or what will happen is? I think ultimately he might make some changes. There might be staff changes. He might bring in somebody who, who brings other offensive ideas. You know, what, what, what probably needs to happen if we're going to look at recently successful SEC teams is he needs his Joe Brady. 
Right. And, you know, obviously Ed Orgeron wasn't calling offensive plays for LSU, but Steve Ensminger was. They bring in Joe Brady. And Brody Miller and I talked about this on, on Football and Grits. You can argue that Joe Brady was calling all those plays. I I am going to choose to believe when they tell us that Steve Ensminger was still calling most of the plays, but Joe Brady was helping formulate the game plan, was giving him ideas in the booth. That sort of thing can happen. It just it doesn't seem to be happening with Jimbo well, Fisher and Daryl Dickey right now. A&M's issue play calling or their offense? I think it might be their offense. I think it, it, it's... Because that's a whole different ball game. Right. And yeah. That, and that's like, I've mentioned this a few times, you know, Nick Saban sending Lane Kiffin on the vision quest to go explore all the various up-tempo offenses and come back and say, here are the things I liked. Here's what can be added to the Cheesecake Factory. That's when they added like eight pages to the Cheesecake Factory menu. <laughs> I love this. <laughs> but the thing is, they didn't take away the the appetizers. Yeah, they knew what they did. They like knew the what they were. Southwestern yeah. egg rolls or, or whatever are still there. Yeah. Like, I, I'm convinced they can. Can we go to Cheesecake Factory? I'm starving. <laughs> we might need to. <laughs> I, I'm convinced, though, they could they could line up in an I formation, you know, make one of their, their tight ends a fullback. Yeah. And, and run uh, just a straight up lead play. I feel like that would be to. the cheesecake, Andy. Wouldn't that be the cheesecake or the appetizer page? I think the cheesecake is the. Uh, is the onside kick they ran against Clemson in the national title game. That's the Godiva cheesecake right there. So yeah, it, it, it's just, it, it's a weird world in college football. And, and, you know, I know we're kind of laser focused here cause we are here, but I think this, this discussion probably is going to happen more in other places. Like if Michigan state, as bad as Michigan state is right now, and as bleak as things look, with Mel Tucker, I don't think you go, oh, that's it. You know, maybe this is a bad year. And if, it, if next year they're good, then you don't worry about it. If next year they're bad, you're right here. You're in this moment. Like, what do you do? It's, it's Brian like, Kelly to LSU, same thing. If it, that were to get that. Is there going to gonna be like a, a certain point where we get to where it's like we're never giving out a, a contract structure like this ever again? I just don't it's, understand. It doesn't how, seem like a smart thing to do unless it's Saban. I don't three of them got given out. So this recently. is a this is a contract that Saban deserves, which he has. This isn't a contract that you give out right. speculatively. You, two, this is one that you give out after results are two in. Two college football coaches that deserve this contract: Dabo and Nick Saban. Yeah, that's it. And, and not even Lincoln Riley, who was very successful at Oklahoma. Yeah, you want to get yourself. You have to be able to pull the escape hatch. Lincoln. I mean, this is Lincoln too. Like, let's say they're. I mean, so far they're good. But let's say they hit a snag. Same thing. I'm trying to think of like what this would be akin to. It's like jumping out of an airplane without a parachute, except nobody survives that. No, so. it's like jumping out of a para, a, an airplane with a an $85 million golden parachute. You just sink. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, it's like, because what, what do you think? You just you, fall faster. What you think you're going to do is you lock up the, the bright young star as a coach and your program is set for 10 years. Yeah. Like that's the idea, right? Yes. And it's really funny because that's a big gamble. I'm a big gambling guy. If you think about 100 mil. Yeah. How many coaches have been recognized and stayed at the same place for 10 years and completely built the culture of that in the last 20 years? Not many. Honestly, like when you think about it, like what, how Mark, many? Mark Stoops, Mark Stoops is Kirk, one. Kirk Ferentz. Kirk Ferentz is Gary, another. Gary Patterson did it, and and then, but Nick Saban is, is a 10-year We're not plus. getting past your second hand if we're counting on our fingers. We're not. So who's paying $100 million to take that gamble? It doesn't make any sense. It, it, it's exactly. not even a calculated risk. It's it's kind of like throwing it out the window. Yeah. Now, 
the other thing is, it, I guess it does keep you from making too rash decisions. I mean, at least Jimbo Fisher won a national championship somewhere. Yes. I mean. Does, do, but does, does it keep you from making a rash decision when you shouldn't? What's the rash decision that even a you're, fi- you're fired. We're going to buy they, you out. Could they even do that? No, they can't. That's what, That's I'm, what saying. I'm saying. But Wisconsin oh, just made that you're, firing. You're putting yourself in a straight jacket so that your arms don't do something that you will regret. Correct. Okay. Well, Correct. That, I mean, like, yeah, I guess if that's the, you would think that the money would be a good enough, <laughs> would be a good enough. Thing. That's what the money's for. <laughs> yeah, uh, As Don Draper would yeah, say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but damn. Yeah. I, I don't really know if I really buy into that whole thing. Yeah. Because you know what? Even if you're Michigan State and and Mel Tucker is awesome for three years and then he bolts because you didn't give him this contract, that means that you had a hell of a three years and something that the next coach can build on mm-hmm. rather than what's what they're in danger of, a, of of encountering. Yes. And so that is what's what you've got to deal with. So as we enter this coaching carousel with a billion jobs already open and more to come, ADs, public service announcement. I'm going to look into the camera like yes, we're on a telephone. That's right. We're breaking the fourth wall here. <laughs> Don't do this. Don't the person they can fire when they can't fire the coach is you. Don't do it. Are you Michael Myers and I'm Kanye? <laughs> Wait, no, no. I think I'm I'm Kanye here. Yeah, but and you're I'm, just looking weirdly into the camera like, yeah, like I can't believe he's saying this right with that now. That hard swallow cuz <laughs> yeah. I I, I'm Canadian. I don't even know why I'm, I'm, I'm talking about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. We'll be right back after these words. Enough football seriousness. We have very important yelling to do. And that's right. It's not cheering. It's yelling when you're in Aggieland. Here is Ari learning how to hitch and how to whoop be nice to me please don't do, don't don't drag me through the mud how could we it's amazing <laughs> i think people are going to find out a, a way here I, is I think ari I and our favorite yell leader kit from chicago in maybe the most amazing segment we've ever done we are here in college station texas with kip Kinnett of noted yell leader producing town chicago big big five-star yell leader producing town <laughs> Kip, how did you become a yell leader at Texas A&M? Yeah, I guess it it sounds crazy, kind of just most people are, they come to A&M, are Aggies, growing up being an Aggie, but I guess my story's a little bit different in that sense, so I came to A&M on an Air Force scholarship, uh, that's kind of all I wanted to do, and ended up loving A&M, and the second I got here, the first time I came here was actually for my new student conference, where like you get oriented, you sign up for classes and all that, and it's just my mom and I, and we were like completely lost, we didn't know anybody. And it was honestly like a terrible, terrible time. I always tell the story, I failed my math placement test and I couldn't get into like any of the classes that I needed to. But during the new student conference, there's this like presentation part where the yell leaders come out in Rudder Auditorium and they kind of just explain the traditions. They go over all the yells and the war hymn and stuff. They tell like stupid, funny jokes. And I just remember like laughing and having a good time. And it sounds super cliche, but like that was the first time I felt a part of the Aggie family. And so ever since then, that was my, I've always thought like that'd be something really cool to do. I never thought I'd actually be here, but it was always kind of on my mind from that point forward. And fortunately, I've been really blessed. It's worked out amazingly for me and just super lucky to have this opportunity. Well, Kip, if it makes you feel better, 
I'm very bad at math. <laughs> <laughs> We've established that on on our show. We actually we make each other do SAT math questions on the show. So <laughs> it sounds like y'all have some funny stories. Yeah, yeah, about we, that. Yeah. So so no, you're here on an Air Force scholarship, correct? Yes, sir. That, so mm-hmm. it, that that's what brought you here. You paid parents were from Texas or, or went to Texas State, right? Yes, sir. That's correct. And so you you said you know it was the first time you felt like part of the Aggie family. Were you aware of the Yell leaders? Were you? I mean, obviously everybody knows the football team, mm-hmm. but but how much growing up in Chicago were you aware of the Yell leaders or some of the other traditions of Texas A and M? Yeah, not not at all, really. Um, I had a cousin come here and feed my aunts and uncles, but they were we never like talked about A and M really. It was kind of just never brought up. I always thought I would probably apply here just because of those relationships, but. Literally, I knew nothing about A&M or the core or the Yell leaders. I showed up day one, and I guess I got really lucky because it worked out amazing. But I knew like close to nothing coming in, so that's kind of just yeah, crazy. You know, to think like about. when we got here, like on the way in, I was like, "The person we meet today is going to be like from uh, a family lineage <laughs> of A&M people who like grew up dreaming of being a Yell leader." And like you feel like the Matthews family, yeah. you know, playing offensive line here. And Andy walks in and goes, "Where are you from?" Chicago. I was like, "Oh, okay, uh, that's not what I was." But if you talk to Nathan, he's one of the other senior leaders, and yeah. that's his story. He's a third generation. Yeah. His middle name's Kyle after Kyle Field, but that, that is very different from me. So, so just take me into the what it is, uh, like because you were explaining the SEC to me this week. Mm-hmm. Like, what is your duty, like, and your vision, like, like what is it that you think that your role is for for this program the students the university and everything you know yeah so i guess like the mission and goal of the yell leaders is to promote and perpetuate aggie athletics spirit and tradition and we do this like in a number of ways obviously going to football games midnight yell those are like the super obvious ways but we also go to all like the women's soccer women's volleyball men's and women's basketball and we travel to all the home and away football games and not only athletics but we also do a lot of like new student orientations uh with fish camp and freshman conferences, Aggie moms clubs, coaches nights, literally so many else that is outside of athletics. And so I guess like the goal of the Yale leaders is just to be a visual representation of the Aggie spirit and be welcoming to all Aggies and just like give them an opportunity to take part in A&M and show them what A&M is all about. But it, it, but you do it almost in your own language and you have your own like and we're going to you're going to teach Ari some of this stuff so he okay. he's got an Aggie wife he needs to learn to communicate better with her. So, uh, but but I'll do my best. I'll do my best. But 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 I mean, it, it is fascinating to watch because when I've seen you guys during the games, it, mm-hmm. I I don't know what's going on. I don't understand what's going on, and I, I've watched Midnight Yell on YouTube just to kind of try to get a sense of it. But I, I did want to ask about Midnight Yell because that that's fascinating to me. You're standing there talking to forty or fifty thousand people. Mm-hmm. You've got you're telling jokes. You're talking about the the, the corny jokes that the the yellers told when you you first met them. Like, did, are those passed down? Do you workshop those at open mic nights? How, how does that work? <laughs> yeah. So the fables. It's called a fable. So the fables that we tell at midnight yell. It's a junior gives one and a senior gives one, and they're made up stories. They're jokes we find online that we like morph into stories about the other team there's some ones that have just been passed down that are just funny that you use every year and stuff and so we actually write them we change them depending on the year and what's going on um but yeah that's what it's called a fable and we give two of those before every football game so those are the ones that i was watching on youtube for 12 hours last yes, week those are the okay. ones we also get made fun of for a lot but that's just about people well, who don't understand let, it <laughs> let me ask you kip is it hard being in the video 
when people are making fun of you because they don't understand it? Like, what's it like to be in this position? Because, yeah, you know, like I, I went to the University of Arizona. He went to Florida. You know, it's 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 different from mm. from other places, you know, and I think it's an honor and, mm. and something that's incredible that you do. But is it hard to be yeah. in your position? Yeah, I mean, I definitely think it has its challenges. But when things like that on social media happen, like, I guess that's just what's so cool about the Aggie family is everybody here supports you. And, you know, we don't necessarily care what everybody else thinks of our traditions. They're our own. We have, like, great sense of pride in that. And they're not going anywhere. We're going to keep doing them. And we love them for us and what they mean to us. And we would love to share them with everybody and explain them. But we know everybody's not going to get it, and that's all right. We're just going to do our thing. And so while there is lots of challenges with this position, you know, time management and just how busy our lives are, it's 100% worth it. And it's just an awesome, awesome position. So you, and, and obviously, you know, a lot of traditions, that even based on what you wear, I got to ask. <laughs> One, you've never skipped a curl day in the gym. <laughs> how, 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 do they, how do they teach you? Is there, a, is there a course when you are a new yell leader on getting the perfect sleeve roll? Because I've, I've been working on, I've been working on my biceps, question. and I'm hoping if I can get them popping that I can roll it like that. Oh, yeah. No, it, it does take a little while. It's just like technique. You're folding them up. We starch them super they get dry oh, how, much, and how much starch is being used on this? I don't uniform? know. You have to ask the dry cleaner, but it's probably a ridiculous <laughs> amount. More starch in his shirt or on my plate? What do you think? It, it's, I've, I've seen you at Olive Garden. I know how you operate. So. <laughs> it does take a little while, but you get the hang of it, and before you know it, you can just roll them up super fast, and they'll be good to go. All right. Well, Kip, <laughs> we need to have Ari... He needs like a mini fish camp. Okay. He needs to yes. learn the language. Definitely. So let's... Yeah. let's you know this one? Whoop. Okay. That's a whoop? <laughs> Yes. So right. anything that's like good bull or going with AM tradition or what, what is good bull? Good bull is just like a generic term that describes anything that's pro Aggie, Aggie spirit, all in that general direction. So if the Aggies win, that's good bull. If people bull. show up to midnight yell, that's good bull. If you know you are taking part in our traditions, that's good bull. If you do well on a test, it's sort of like good bull. Prego in Italian. It could mean anything. Yes, you it can want mean it anything mean. you okay. want yeah. it to mean. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> like that. All right. Okay. So uh, I'll take I'll take your okay. mic. I'm gonna I'm gonna shoot well, some more video. One more okay. Thing, yeah, 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 real yeah. Quick. Let me there ask you, you this, Kip. So as I was watching these videos, mm -hmm. there's one specific motion that I continually notice. Okay. And yeah. I don't understand. I tried to Google it. I asked my Aggie <laughs> wife, and I hope I don't out her on this if she doesn't know. You're supposed to. But I'm gonna give you the mic here, Andy. Okay. But there's a certain you make the punchline, right? And yes. What is, so it's called a hitch. Okay. When we like like that. Yeah. What? So yeah, so I guess like let me back up a little bit, like why we pace back and forth, like why the juniors pace back and forth at the beginning, and why we pace back and forth when we talk, all comes from a long time ago. There was an Aggie, and his name was Pina Owens, and when they used to do the Yale practices on the steps of the YMCA building, those steps are like kind of small, and the legend has it that his feet were like so big that he couldn't really keep his balance. So he just started like walking back and forth and talking into the mic and telling the fable. And every time he would turn around, this is what the story says, so take it with a grain of salt. But he would like almost fall off, so he would start this like hitching motion so that he could just turn around. So that's okay. kind of where it came from. I don't know how it evolved into what it is today, but just one of those little Listen, There are a lot of famous peanuts in, in, in football <laughs> history. You got Peanut Tillman with the peanut punch yes. to, mm -hmm. to knock the ball out when you're trying to tackle somebody. So this is Peanut Owens. Peanut Owens, yep. All yep. right. And he, is, he was a yell leader. Shoes. I've got size nine shoes. Okay. 
so that's not going to be a problem for me. But like, probably not. Like it always happens. So we do it on like the punchline or like big words or there's be words in the fable like when we say Olrock the good egg. Yeah, who's like Olrock the good egg. He's like a. This, Made up figure, just some. Good but Old Rock's like the best dude ever. Like oh, you want to have a beer with Old Rock, the best right? Aggie okay. around. And so you always hitch on Good Ag, and everybody will whoop to that. Okay, so they go like Old this. Rock, the Good Ag, and everybody go. Yeah, the whoop. Good Ag. Yep. Am I doing this right? Yes, that's perfect form actually. That's actually perfect. We'll form. see you this Friday. I, mean, I, I was watching <laughs> it for fifteen straight hours. Last week. <laughs> Because like I like I'm trying to understand it. You guys have a big game. We're going to see mm -hmm. you in Tuscaloosa this Saturday, and um, I wanted to learn the understand that. So I'm happy that you taught me that. Yes, that sir. So wait, all right. Let's all right. let's take let's take Ari through. We're not taking through a whole fable, but okay. let's let's get a whoop, and let's let's get a hitch. So, so when you whoop, right? there's like so the whoop is called the is part of the wildcat, and each class here has a, their own wildcat, and that comes from like a long story where. There was like a wildcat on campus, and the upperclassmen sent the freshman out to go kill the wildcat, basically, but he got scared and ran away. So the freshman wildcat, if you're a freshman, you just put your hands in the air and scream A. So it's like, A. Now the sophomore wildcat, rumor has it, he went out there and like tried to shoot the wildcat, but missed all the five times, which by the sophomore wildcat is A, 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 A. It's like five, five missed shots. Yes. The junior went out there and shot three times and hit him once, which is why it's A, 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 whoop. And the senior went out there and just shot him once. Boom, dead. A whoop. And so, interdigitate your fingers. <laughs> interdigitate, Ari. Yeah, now. That's a big word. That way you can show your Aggie ring off when you get it one day for all the students. Okay. <laughs> and you're going to A to the ground once and whoop up, hiking your left foot behind your right knee. My left foot above my right? Right behind, like right there. Yep, just okay. like that. Should try it? <laughs> all right, so we're going to... So A whoop. A whoop. Perfect. Hey, <laughs> are you making Ari a senior? You're saying he shot the wildcat hey, in one shot? Yes. Oh, definitely. Hey. You that's may have freshman. to do the freshman. freshman. Mm -hmm. hey. Hey, 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 hey. Yes, that's perfect. Hey. <laughs> okay, and then the second one is. Sophomores is A, 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 A. Oh. A, 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 A. Perfect. Missed. You missed all five times. Interdigitate. Okay. Oh. And no, the, but A, 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 A. It's two two pistols. Two pistols. Yes. A A A A A. Okay. And the junior and one, it's like the senior one, except you don't interdigitate because you don't have your. Oh, oh sorry. Okay. Yeah, I told you wrong. Exactly. A A A A. Whoop whoop. Is whoop, whoop down up. for the junior. Oh, whoop down. Yep. And then you don't get to whoop up until you're, until you're a senior. Okay. And so the last one, one more kind of confusing, but if you so, are around all the time. So, but you, you have it. to have an Aggie ring to interdigitate, right? That's correct. Okay. Yes, sir. Wow. So this is a wedding ring of an Aggie. <laughs> that works. So that makes you're, you're, you're in. Like inner, <laughs> you're half an Aggie. Honorary senior. <laughs> I'm an inner, inner Aggie marriage. You married into this. <laughs> whoop. Perfect. Ooh, that was. <laughs> hitch for me. Hitch for me. Old Rock, the good egg. <laughs> Whoop! <laughs> yeah, see, I'm good. I got it. I, I think you're ready. Yeah, I think I'm ready too. I well, think well, I'm ready we're gonna too. Sit, listen, if if Kip for whatever reason can't perform in Tuscaloosa on Saturday, <laughs> we're gonna roll your sleeves up, Ari. We're gonna do a lot of curls this week. Lot, <laughs> lot of curls. A lot of curls. A lot of curls. So we're we're gonna do that, and and you are gonna take over if Kip can't do I it. I think you could do it. Yeah. If I would have known that I was going to be uh, next to the perfect specimen of the male species in a gently pressed, starched uniform with these big biceps, you got me out here looking like, whoop, you know, like I'm just, I, uh, but I feel like I understand a little bit better and I think I have an under, a better appreciation of, of what you guys go through because like, mm -hmm. it does seem to be like a, 
a Twitter sensation for the good and the bad. You know what I mean? And that, PR is good PR. Yeah. So that's how we look at it. This, is the, right. Right, this is the right attitude, you know? That's right. Old Kip the Good Egg. Thank you so <laughs> much. Kip the Good Egg. Of course. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. We're back. Thank you so much to Kip. Whoop, whoop. For putting Ari, <laughs> whoop, putting Ari through that. And listen, I'm just trying to think. Whoop. Jobs in college that require you to talk to 40 or 50,000 people at a time, like they have to do at midnight yell. Well, well tell me what to tell them what you told me about the camera angles, because I think it's a very important Well, yeah, point. I was talking to somebody yeah. who, who is from here and, and understands this very well. And, and so those midnight yell videos have, have become popular on YouTube and people make fun of them. If those videos were shot from behind the yell leaders, it would be a totally different vibe for the viewer. And understanding what's going on. Yes. Yeah. Because there are, like I said, 40,000 people that they are facing and they are all acting in unison and following along and having fun. And they are like, the bars empty out here the Friday night before a game because people go to midnight yell. They don't do that anywhere else. It's, it's, it is fun. And you know, my thing about this is people make fun of, of what the Aggies do and they make fun of what Auburn fans do, or they make fun of what, uh, Texas fans do or the, the Oklahoma state fans with their paddles or, you know, all, all these different things that people do. I love that everybody has their own thing in college football. I think it's annoying when every big 10 fan base thinks humming along to seven nation army during a game constitutes a tradition. Like, yeah, I like when everybody's got their own, the whiteout at Penn state is so cool. The checkerboard <laughs> checker, the stadium at Tennessee was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Like, so I, I just, I think the more of this and the more uniqueness there is in this, this is not the NFL. It's not piped in the same Imagine Dragon song over and over. This is what makes this fun. Yeah, I will say, you know, as you guys all know, my wife went here, but I've only driven through here. This is my first time actually spending time here. And we were on one of the main drags of the university and Kip, who was, who was teaching me how to do that. Multiple people stopped and said, hey, Kip. Everybody. Everyone's like, hey, how are you doing? Like, people went out of their way to be nice. You walk into the student union where we ate lunch, no hats. Um, and everybody, you know, jokes about how weird this place is. But, like, it's charming. I really like it. Like, I honestly, I, these people are very nice. Well, and, you know, the, the thing that I, um, just to piggyback on what you said, is that, like, it's such our temperament as people to make fun of things that we don't understand or that we're not a part of. Right. And what you have to look at. When you look at what Texas A&M does is stuff that they've done for 100 years. Yep. The people who do it know it's different. The people who do it are just like us, but it's just what they're taught well, you, to do when they come here. You heard Kip and, talking about it because Kip is – that was what I found most interesting. I assumed when we met the yell leader that we were going to yeah. do this with, it was going to be like a fourth-generation person who grew up in – Me Kate, too. Grew up in Katy, Texas or grew up in you know a Grand Prairie or something like that and and their mom was an Aggie and their grandpa was an Aggie. No, he's from Chicago. Yeah, I was and like, Chicago. So this was – but I think the way he came to that and decided to, be, to become a yell leader was really interesting because meeting the yell leaders – was the first time he felt like a part of the campus community. Yeah, you know, and, and being able to talk to him and his temperament of how, what's it like to be relentlessly made fun of. Yeah. And his his viewpoint of, of how to handle that I thought was great. You know, and, and just Man, if you got guns like Kip, yeah. ain't nobody making fun of you. Yeah, yeah, no one's going to make fun of this guy to his face. But, you know, it's just, it's, uh, I just think that it's different and people don't like different. Mm -hmm. um, but when it, 
you think about it, the thing that we love about college football is packed stadiums, mm-hmm. big time programs, yep. all the things that this place has to offer, and they might do it a little bit differently. The hissing thing is is a little off kilter, right? <laughs> you know, it, yep. it's different. But that's their thing, the same way that each and every one of the people who listen to this podcast have a thing. Yeah. You have a thing at your school that you love. You know, the, the school I went to, between it, it also has a between the third and fourth quarter song that, that they sway to, but it's a little, yeah. bit, little bit different song. Uh, it's We Are the Boys of Old Florida instead of the Aggie War Hymn. And now they've added I Won't Back Down by Gainesville native Tom Petty. Um, you know, if you, if you go to LSU, you're waiting for that band to play Neck. You know, and that's not even an official tradition. That's just yeah. one they tacked on that, that that's just fun. But I love that part of it. You're and and it was it was funny because we were talking to to Kip after we got done. This will be his first time doing a game in Tuscaloosa because you know the last time they were there was COVID, and so I said, you know, just make sure you're you're somewhere on the field about 30 minutes or so before the game mm-hmm. when they play Sweet Home Alabama. Yeah. Because it's just like the first time that, that guitar riff starts. You're I'm like, excited. I, I cannot can't believe I'm here. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm excited. I mean, that's the, one of the most exciting things that, you know, I've encountered in my career, being able to experience that for the first time, you know? And yeah, I just feel like coming here and people are like, they want you to hate A&M. They're probably one of the top five most hated programs in college football, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know how you come here and actually try to like take, you know, like talk to them. Yeah. Like we got to talk to the person who was on the videos. Yeah. I don't know how you leave hating that. You can't. Yeah. Because they're, they're just people like everybody else and they have their things. And in college football and especially in the sec, everybody's got their things. Yeah. And it's sacred to sacred to me, weird to you. But when you put it together on Saturday, what is it? It's it's, it's magic. It's is the what it perfect is. of it's the perfect expression of what college football is. It's magic. We got more of the tour. Ari and I have been to Bucky's. We're gonna hit multiple truck stops throughout the South. We got a lot of stops. We're gonna wind up in Tuscaloosa this week. Keep an eye on on Ari's Instagram, my Instagram. I'm Andy underscore Staples. He's Ari Wasserman. Whoop. My Twitter, his Twitter. You're gonna see a lot of our travel advent- adventures. And stay locked into this podcast because we're going to have a lot of fun and we'll talk to you soon. Woo.